0: Hi there and welcome to Strutton Parker's Be Inspired podcast series in association with Country Life. I'm James Fisher, I'm your host, I'm the property and news editor at Country Life Magazine and I'll be with you throughout this six-part series. Some of you may have listened to our first podcast where we debated the ever-hot topic of town versus country. Well, this week we'll be looking at property investments. We'll be covering staycations, short lets and the buy-to-let market. We'll be sharing expert views from literally one end of the country to the other. From Richard Speedy, Head of South Western Waterside. Hi there, thank you very much for having me today. Welcome from the West Country. Thank you, Richard. To Kevin Maley, Head of Scotland.
1: Hi, James. Looking forward to the podcast and having a chat with you and some other colleagues.
0: Me too, Kevin. Thank you very much. And on the data insights and statistics side, we have the alternatives research expert, Rebecca Shafran. Hi,
2: delighted to be here today to share some insight.
0: Fantastic. So I don't know if you've heard this, but staycations have been quite popular recently. So Richard, do you want to tell us what's happening down in the southwest in these past few months? Uh, sure, I'd be
3: delighted. It's uh, It's been a fantastic time for us down here in the southwest for property sales. You know, During lockdown, none of us really knew what to expect coming out. We all thought there would be some pent-up demand, but the level of pent-up demand has exceeded all expectations. You know, we did think it would probably go on for a couple of months, but we're probably only just starting to slow down a bit now, which coincides with, you know, the weather changing and generally the end of our seasonal market. Just for some perspective on how things have changed, we will probably sell 25 to 30 percent more houses this year than we did last year, despite being in lockdown for however many months it was. And the the slowdown in the lead, lead up to lockdown as well. So it really has been an exciting market to work in, but also an extremely exhausting market to work in. For us down here, we're sort of divided into three distinct markets, city, rural and waterside. As you would probably expect, the city market has been more tricky. Before we went into lockdown and there was a a general trend towards people wanting to live in the cities, especially smaller, more manageable cities like Exeter with good transport links to London. That's obviously completely changed during lockdown. People who are in town are looking to get a bit more space, get a larger garden. So the rural and the waterside markets have been incredibly busy. The rural market is a combination of second homeowners and first homeowners. Um, historically, we've had a lot of people coming down here, downsizing from the southeast, downsizing in terms of value rather than in terms of size of the prop, however, and just looking for their rural idyll. This, as you can imagine, pushed on in a massive way, and we've experienced buyers who clearly had quite a lot of money in the bank and just thinking what am I actually going to do with all this money and deciding to buy really nice property in Devon or Cornwall or Somerset or wherever it may be. The waterside market is, is different in the sense that yes you do sell some as first homes but broadly speaking they are second home, home buyers. Again largely coming out of home counties and the southeast but really coming out of all the cities. So the majority of the buyers that we've had coming down here have been coming from the the larger cities around the uk so london birmingham manchester and we've had a lot of people actually coming out of bristol as well bristol's bristol is a nice green city you are still in that city environment so the rural environment is certainly flavor of the month at the moment and i think that will probably continue for the foreseeable future uh, so long as covid is uh, is with us which uh, depending on which press report you read it could
0: be with us for a few more months or it could be with us for a few more years very good. And speaking of rural, Kevin, can you tell us a bit about what's happening up north in Scotland?
1: Yeah, delighted to, James. I think the first thing it's worth pointing out is that we were slightly slower that coming out of lockdown. We didn't come out until the 29th of June, which was the first opportunity we had to arrange viewings and valuations. I mean, it was literally hundreds of viewings to arrange. I think what we saw during lockdown was, was so many people logging on to the website that certainly the kind of stats would back that up in terms of people looking at the virtual viewings and maybe romantically looking for a place in the Highlands. Why why wouldn't you? I think we, we realised quite a number of things. Actually, we'd spoken quite a lot, Richard and I, and you know, spoken during lockdown on a daily basis and nobody really could predict what the market was going to do, how it was going to react. I think we were all pleasantly surprised by the response, as well as the viewings we had to arrange. Even some examples. One property springs to mind, which was a house that we sold, arranged a price on pre-lockdown, which was an asking price of five fifty. We negotiated a sale price of five seven five. And during lockdown, the buyer typically started to get quite nervous about it and, and pulled out of the sale. And interestingly, that was one of the first ones we relaunched back to the market. We had four people lined up. In between times, we'd spoken to the client and there was an assumption with everything going on that the price would be low. I think he'd actually said he didn't expect to get 5.75. He reckoned he would happily take 5.50. And actually, at the end of that day, we had an offer of 6.30. So actually, the pre-lockdown price was lower than the post-lockdown price. So I think... That quite quickly kind of made us all think that this was uncharted territory in in the market. To me, it was more than just pent-up demand. I think if it had been pent-up demand, it would only have lasted a few weeks. I think this was more a complete tide change in the market and a change in buyers' requirements. I think people were now reassessing the quality of their lives and looking at their kind of property needs in more detail. People had maybe been cooped up a small apartment and all of a sudden were starting to look for garden space, better facilities, access to the outdoors, as well as the connectivity. I think that's a big thing, particularly living in, in the Highlands where I'm based in Inverness. I think people assume that it can be quite remote and cut off. But actually, you, know, if, you if you want to be, you can be. But for most people, I think it's all about you know, having access to local amenities and everything relatively close by. The other thing I think we noticed was... The value for money that Scotland represents buying a property in Scotland in comparison with other parts of the UK, the average price in Scotland as of this month is actually £200,000. So I think a lot of people were definitely kind of re-evaluating a lot of things. One of the things for me, and that's backed by a number of inquiries that we've had, certainly a lot of people moving from bigger cities. We've seen people from London, Bristol, basically all over the place, as well as people from Hong Kong and further afield coming and buying property. The other thing which was significant of the virtual viewing facility, which allowed our clients, visitors to our website to look 24 hours a day, seven days a week at our properties. And actually, we did sell one property to an American buyer purely based on the virtual viewing, which I found was absolutely incredible. So it's been a busy time. Like Richard said, you know, we are miles apart from each other. But certainly, I think we've been experiencing the same market conditions.
0: I think it's an interesting point you brought up, and we touched upon it a bit last week of initial expectations were pent up demand, but it really is sort of turned into more of a lifestyle change. Rebecca, does your statistics, does your research kind of back that up in terms of looking for greener pastures?
2: Well, I think so. I think the main insight I'd like to share and where we saw a lot of demand was actually Demand from people that have been stuck in lockdown and desperate to go on holiday. So, there was this huge level of demand for holiday lets, which, you know, people missed their Easter holiday if they planned to go abroad then. They were a bit bored of being at home, and as the summer approached, it looked less likely they were going to be able to get on an aeroplane. Really, we saw this real increase, this big increase in demand for domestic holidays or staycations. I mean, I don't know about everyone else but I tried to book something on the south coast a couple of times in August granted I'm a family of five maybe I left it much too late but there really wasn't very much left to book and what we saw was this demand for holiday lets and hotels in traditional tourist locations and we saw levels of occupancy in these locations significantly high as we came out of lockdown so for example places like Plymouth hotel occupancy reached 90% in August and places like Bournemouth and Southampton we saw occupancy at about 85%. In Inverness, in the middle of August, occupancy was around 77%. So there was a real demand for holiday lets. It was definitely in top traditional holiday locations, demand definitely outweighed the supply of quality holiday lets. And that really suggests there might be some opportunities in those locations. And there's no doubt this summer, we were definitely blessed with some brilliant weather. And I think that definitely helped boost the holiday let market people really were able to see the best of the UK because the sun was shining and so I suppose the question is whether moving forward we'll still see that strong level of demand whether people will jump back on an aeroplane as soon as they can or they've seen the best of the UK and realise they don't actually have to get on an aeroplane to have a good holiday anecdotally I've already heard that some of the Holiday lets in popular locations are already getting quite booked up for 2021 because people are beginning to look ahead for next year and realising that that might be the option.
0: I think it's sensible. At least you know if you book a holiday at home, you won't have to reschedule it at the last minute. So what you know, this is a sort of open question to all three of you. what What have this been been this year's popular staycations trend? Where have people been going? What have they been doing? What's that reflected where, where you all live?
3: For us, it's been a mixed bag in terms of what people have been looking for. Some people are searching for complete isolation for obvious reasons in rural areas, you know, in the middle of Dartmoor, up on Exmoor, and various other, you know, beautiful areas of outstanding natural beauty. I mean, and other people are looking to be down on the coast and just, you know, have a bit more, in you know, a bit of sea air. The busyness in the West Country has been absolutely outstanding. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a small example in terms of, you know, me as a family, we live in Exeter. We often go to a beach, a place called Budley Salterton. I took the kids down there twice over the summer, after work at about 630 And on both occasions, I couldn't even get a space in the car park. And that is totally and utterly unheard of. Normally in the summer, you can go down there and it's, you know, in the evening, it might be a third full, but it was, everything just went completely crazy. I noticed a statistic the other day that in uh, East Devon, it was the highest jump in demand ever, and that was from last summer to this summer, demand levels jumped by 263%. I, I totally agree. It's people just wanting to be able to jump in a car and not have to worry about getting on an aeroplane, not having to worry that their holiday won't happen because of COVID. So for, for us, it's been the waterside area more popular than the
0: rural area. No, they've all been incredible within themselves. And is that sort of roughly similar up in Scotland, Kevin?
1: entirely different set of issues, I suppose, in terms of the weather. It was quite interesting during lockdown watching all these people and reading it in the media about people packing the beach at Bournemouth. And I think I had great fun posting some stuff on social media about actually a few photographs where it was me and the dog and no one else on the beach at all. So it was noticeable, and particularly in the Highlands, that once the restrictions were lifted, we did see... A number of people coming up lots of camper vans and caravans but to be honest that's fairly typical it's a, it's a cracking place i think james you actually mentioned recently that you would visited the highlands and you were pretty taken with it so you can understand why people come here it's it is a bit of escape
0: oh it's my favorite place in the world
1: so you know i think we we don't it's one of these places you can be completely isolated you can have the beach to yourself and i think places like the isle of sky are popular i think at one point last year they actually closed the sky bridge at one point unless you could prove that you had accommodation this is obviously pre-covid it's a place that's always kind of popular and, and we see what kind of tourists but obviously we've been busy over the last few weeks and months and the roads are noticeably quieter. I mean, I typically, in terms of valuations, which kind of stagger some people, if you work in a smaller office, and, a, and it can be easily three hours one way just to get an appointment in the West Coast, any delay in the traffic can add significantly to that. But you know, I've, I've had to say the roads are much quieter. I'm not sure the volumes are quite there in terms of where they would normally be. To say the Highlands is definitely kind of popular bolt hole but i I think you spoke very fondly of it when we spoke the last time of your stay
0: oh absolutely i could do with a few more salmon in the river and a few less midges in the air but otherwise i would say 10 out of 10 again this question to sort of all three of you and rebecca this might be more up your street which is what types of property are people actually looking for and investing in for the sort of holiday market
2: I've already sort of mentioned it. It was those traditional holiday locations in the UK. So those coastal resorts, places like the Cotswolds, locations with really good cultural and outdoor activity facilities. And those were all really kind of popular choices people over the summer so I think those are the kind of locations I think also in terms of holiday let over hotels I think whilst demand we, we know the occupancy levels were very high in hotels and we know that that was true in the holiday let market as well from what was being reported from Airbnb and uh, and other websites similar was that people liked the holiday lets because they didn't have to they had their own space as a family that was quite important this summer. They weren't relying, for example, on a shared breakfast area and shared facilities. So I I think that was a big tick for holiday let. I think that that will continue into next year, for sure. And I'd like to believe that that will um, continue as well, moving even further ahead. Like I said, I'm not sure. I also believe people may jump on an aeroplane quite quickly when they can.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on the weather, I guess. If it's particularly cold winter, we might be missing a bit of sun. Richard and Kevin... You talk about sort of city, rural and water side. Looking at the buy-to-let and holiday rental market, which would you say out of the three is the most popular?
3: For a, for a long-term investor, they will tend to look in the cities because you've got student populations, which I think we're going to touch on later, which uh, always provide very good demand, especially from the more popular universities. From a yield perspective, buying on the water creates the biggest potential income. And we've been selling houses over the course of this year. And admittedly, the, the yields have been higher this year because of the demand. So that's pushed prices up. But as a gross figure, people have been achieving up to 10%. With holiday lets, there there are much more significant running costs. Generally speaking, you're doing a changeover every week or two. And then you've got more maintenance issues because people are down there on holiday, having a good time. With that additional risk, I suppose, come much greater yields. And the, the season has been extended in a great way this year as well it is still busy down here now for half term with people coming down on holiday i mean last friday i got stuck in a traffic jam on the m5 just coming into exeter which would not normally happen at this time of year and that'll be people visiting not just waterside locations but also country locations people not really having the options to go abroad
0: Okay, so let's move away from the holiday market and let's look more towards buy-to-let. Again, open-ended questions, but what are the pros and cons of buy-to-let in the COVID times?
3: In the COVID times, uh, most landlords across the country have probably experienced a loss of rent in the last few months, um, either with you know tenants going on to uh, onto furlough. As a result, not been able to afford the full rent. But most landlords are taking a balanced view and thinking actually they'd rather not have any rent voids. They'd rather keep the tenants there and then they'll be off furlough soon. I think moving forward over the course of this year, that may well be highlighted again. Furlough is not renewed for some people. There's likely to be unemployment as well. Landlords have been hit pretty hard in the last few years with additional tax burdens. Previously, they could offset 100% of their mortgage costs or their interest mortgage costs against the income for tax purposes Um, and that's been a, a gradual phasing out which was finalized this year also moving forward if this increases then that will make more landlords more likely to want to sell and if i look at smaller condensed markets such as exeter there have been a lot of buy to let properties which have come onto the market in the last two or three months a significant number of those have sold And a significant number of those are also HMOs, where landlords have been concerned by either a lack of students paying their rent. It's a real burden on landlords at the moment. That does present an opportunity within itself for investors to purchase. But I think a lot of landlords have had enough and they can see that things are going to be very difficult in the future. In Exeter, just looking at the statistics, if I compare two universities, Exeter University and Plymouth, they're on slightly different tax at the moment. And landlords in Plymouth have been looking to try and sell their to let properties for a number of years now. And when I look at statistics for the number of students at Plymouth University... Five years ago, it was nearly 26,000. For last year, it was 19,600. So quite a significant decrease, about 24%. Whereas in Exeter, the university which has arguably been moving up in the world, Exeter has gone from 20,500 students up to 25,000 students, so an increase of 21%. This is quite interesting because it's two universities which are less than an hour apart, both in Devon. One found funding more difficult. An extra university, a uh, Russell Group university, is more favoured by investors. So, Exeter has seen more investors over the past few years than Plymouth. Plymouth saw landlords starting to sell up a few years ago, and that's only just starting to happen in Exeter now. But I think for those landlords who take a long term view, the long term prospects for somewhere like extra very very promising last year it was the second fastest growing economy in the uk the university goes from strength to strength there's a lot of development going on in and around the city and Yes, at the moment, the trends are for people to live in the countryside, but those living in the countryside close to Exeter still need to go to a city to shop and for their amenity.
0: Very good. Rebecca. Richard's point there on Exeter being a hotspot in terms of buy-to-let at the moment. Where else does data and research tell us is a good place to look if you're looking in the buy-to-let market?
2: In terms of buy-to-let, I think Rich has kind of touched on this already. We're actually seeing a withdrawal of landlords from the market for the reasons Richard covered in terms of increases in taxation, rising costs and kind of government regulation. And instead, we're seeing the institutional investor coming into the market with the big build-to-rent developments. There's about 168,000 build-to-rent units around the UK, either up and built or development at the moment, those are mostly focused in the big regional cities, although are starting to emerge in some other kind of more suburban locations, and it is a really rapidly growing sector offering high quality rental accommodation, managed and operated by one company, so there's one point of contact for tenants. Technology often plays a really big part in these schemes, and so that the tenants can communicate easily with the operator. So that's kind of the trend we're seeing in the buy-to-let market. Having said that, and Richard just touched on this, there are still opportunities in the student accommodation HMO market. In the last 10 years, we've seen a big rise in purpose-built student accommodation. But on average, 55% of students still actually live in houses of multiple occupancy, the HMO. And this is either by choice or because of a lack of supply of the purpose-built accommodation in their university, town or city. I think many students probably still really like the idea of living in a house with their friends rather than a purpose-built flat. However, they're very popular, the purpose-built accommodation too. We also know that purpose-built accommodation is often more expensive for students to rent than HMOs. HMOs still has a place in the market. We've seen a divergence between towns and cities that are home to multiple universities and Russell Group universities and other towns and cities. And so the towns and cities that are home to these multiple universities and Russell Group universities are seeing increases in student numbers. And that's not just domestic students, that's international students as well. And the other universities are seeing falls in student numbers. As a result, the HMO opportunities are probably um, greater within towns and cities home to those Russell Group universities. This year has been very interesting in terms of student numbers because of the pandemic. There were concerns by both landlords of HMOs and the big operators of the purpose-built student accommodation that student numbers would fall this academic year with mobility being affected and courses have moved online. But actually the UCAS statistics that we are able to view have shown a 4% increase in student in place students at UK universities for this academic cycle. And actually there was a 9% increase in students from um, overseas, not from the EU, they're non-EU overseas students. And what we believe is that international students still remain very attracted to the UK higher education market. They recognise that it's home to some of the top universities in the world. There are employment opportunities. They're attracted by the culture, the language, and that they also want the full university experience, as do domestic students. They want to live in their university, city and town. They want to socialise. They want to have the whole package, the whole experience. So the demand for student accommodation remains robust. And whilst this year has obviously been very challenging, and that's time we're reading a lot about in the press every day at the moment, moving forward, we believe that it's a robust sector with strong underlying fundamentals.
0: What sort of impact higher fees are we seeing from an influx of international students?
3: Adding to what Rebecca said about international students, as we talked earlier about student numbers increasing in Exeter by about just over 20% over the past five years and numbers decreasing by nearly 25% in, in Plymouth over the last five years. Interestingly, looking at the statistics, about 25% of students from Exeter uh, are international students and that figure for, the, for last year was only 9% in Plymouth. Having international students does make a huge difference to the uh, standing of the university also very large blocks which Rebecca was discussing which often many hundreds of rooms are favoured by international students and again there are many more of these blocks in Exeter as opposed to Plymouth. I would say medium to long term yes in the short term it obviously there's a level of uncertainty but I, I think any investment you make at the moment whether it's in the stock market or in property or in government bonds, there is a level of uncertainty. Sounds
0: very good. After listening to both of you, that it's still probably a solid investment choice of university housing HMOs in the right spot. Kevin, going back to you quickly and go back to the buy-to-let market, what are you seeing up in Scotland?
1: Not something, James, that we do a massive amount of, to be honest. It's more the second home market that we see activity in. Again, people just looking for that escape and value for money-wise. It's a good indicator of the market, I think, going back to the previous recession in 2008 you know the kind of second home market gave us a feel for people's confidence and i think that market was active you would typically be re- replicated across other parts of the market as well just people's confidence to go and buy and funnily enough when the, the recession kicked in in 2008 the first time it, that was the first indicator that we saw was people starting to offload second home so it's quite an interesting one it's not an obvious trends are there and, and I, I think the, the market has been very active as you can imagine again value for money wise but just people looking away from it all. James, just on that point in terms of Mm. Richard and Rebecca have been talking about. I mean, I think it's worth reminding ourselves in terms of the the property market that it still remains a stable investment for many investors, despite what's going on. I think this is the difference between this recession and the previous one was obviously financially driven, whereas this one is obviously a public health crisis It's completely different. But I think people will always take a a bit of a long-term view in property. And actually, I I had a look at some of the statistics for this, and the predictions are that there'll be a 15% increase in property prices by 2024. So I think if you're taking a long-term term view and property investment, it's worth looking at these things.
0: Absolutely, especially with interest rates being as low as they are and unlikely to rise anytime soon. It's better to have, if you've got some spare cash, it's better to have it in property rather than in the bank. Going back to a point we made right at the start, demand versus supply. We're talking about people buying houses, but what about the mortgage market? I've got here an article by a journalist called Lee Milner about how there's a lot of people wanting to buy places for for holiday lets, but maybe the mortgage market isn't quite doing the same. Will we expect that to catch up at some point? some point soon?
3: The mortgage market is tricky at the moment and the banks are adjusting to what they perceive is going to happen to the market in the future. I know if you start at the bottom and work up essentially for first-time buyers it's actually become much more difficult for them to purchase. Lots of lenders who were willing to lend 95% increase the deposit first-time buyers need to put down. Some lenders have also shied away from big deposits being given because they like first-time buyers to be able to stand on their own two feet. So there is different view from different banks on what they're prepared to lend. There are one or two out there who are still pre- prepared to lend 95%, a more risky view than most of the, um, the organisations out there. In terms of people borrowing money in order to buy holiday lets and buy-to-lets down here. Buy-to-lets, yes, traditionally a a buy-to-let investor for an HMO will borrow a certain percentage, 50 or even 60%. Uh, That borrowing is still there. That's fine. It's a a good deposit. For a lot of people buying, in inverted commas, a holiday home, which they want to rent out, a lot of the time they'll be buying it for cash. So the mortgage market is is less of a concern. But certainly the the insights that the, the bank have into they think might happen in six or 12 months to the market is probably making them more cautious because we've had a, essentially a, a mini boom the boom has been based on emotions not based on economic fundamentals so moving forward you have to say that that boom will probably subside slightly i think there'll still be demand and there'll still be people having covid in their mind but these organizations are cautious about what's going to happen with the market
0: Rebecca, would you agree with
3: that?
2: You know, we're still seeing unemployment rising. It hasn't really filtered through yet to the property market. It will. I was listening to a webinar last week by Legal and General who are actually really big players in the build-to-rent sector. They had noted that Their rent collection had been really strong in filter to Rent and they weren't yet seeing the impact of unemployment. They'd had very few tenants with payment problems. They, I think, were kind of suggesting that they were expecting that it was still going to filter through in the coming months. So I think we've still got a bit of a bumpy ride ahead.
0: It wouldn't be 2020 if we didn't have a bumpy ride ahead.
2: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> so going back to, to circle back, to use that cliche, demand is up and there's a lack of supply. So would you say this is probably one of the better times in recent years to look into investing in property?
3: I think in terms of investing in property at the moment, I think most of the to less investors are being pretty cautious at the moment. People who are purchasing a house are they're not necessarily investing. They're hoping it will be an investment in the medium to long term. Yes, prices have essentially gone up in the regions over the past few months, but it's only time will tell how how long-lived those increases will be.
2: It can be a good time to invest. It has to be in the right location. You need to do your research. In terms of student housing and HMOs, make sure it's in those markets uh, which are home to multiple universities and those Russell groups. Think about where do students actually want to live within those markets? Do they want to be close to campus? In terms of holiday lets, again, understanding your market, understanding the seasonality of that location. Who would travel there? Who would come and stay there? Is it families? Is it older people? And pricing it right for that location. So it's all about doing your research. (laughs)
0: <laughs> very good and you are an expert in research as they say okay so just a few questions you know where have we all gone on holiday this year i don't know about kevin's told the world that i've been to scotland and scotland only I Guess just from a human perspective where where's your sort of staycation been if you've had one at all
1: yeah, for me i mean like most people i think there was plans you know james and those that have been to the highlands we're not blessed with hours of sunshine we do have lovely views and and, and actually it's been quite interesting up during the last few weeks some of the clients I've actually met, people who come from kinda of warmer climate that like our climate, believe it or not. I mean I personally kinda of quite like to get Mediterranean sunshine if I can, but that obviously didn't happen this year. Again, managed the furthest I've been was down Glasgow, extent of it. And uh no kinda of sunny beach holidays this year for us. But yeah, again we're kinda of spoiled for choice up here. You just get wrapped up, put another layer of clothes on and hats and gloves and get out and enjoy the scenery and the isolation and the peace and quiet. So again, I think we've got to put a bit of perspective on it as well. I think we're all just being asked to be good citizens, and I think we can all manage to do that. Hopefully next year we'll get back to some normality.
0: Well, depends what normality is next year, I guess. Rebecca, you said you went to the South Coast. How was that?
2: I said I tried to book the South Coast. I tried actually, to go to the South. I tried to go. We did. Uh, we didn't actually go on any staycation. We actually did lots of outings and day, days out as a family instead. It's a, a nice thing to do. It's quite nice to come home to your own house at the end of the day. Hopefully, 2021 will be a different year for us.
0: Very good. And Richard, did you make it anywhere? Uh, I did make it away before lockdown.
3: And uh, we went for a windy week in Falmouth, which I've got two young children and uh, they thoroughly enjoy Falmouth and the Maritime Museum down there and walking around sorry, Penn Pendennis Castle. It was really good. Since we've been in lockdown and come out, it's been uh, it's been fairly frantic. I have taken one week off. I've got another week off next week. But we haven't we haven't been away, but much like Kevin, we're pretty lucky I can head down to the beach and be at the beach in 20 minutes. So uh, you know, the kids are pretty spoiled, even though they won't know that. My mother lives in Portugal, so we were hoping to go out there earlier in the year, but that obviously didn't happen, so we miss going out there. And uh, we normally have at least one trip a year up to Scotland. Also thoroughly enjoyed, but we haven't made it up there either. But hopefully we can uh, have a better time of it next year.
0: Fantastic. I think we can all we can all agree with that. I think that just about wraps it up, so I'm going to say goodbye to Kevin.
1: Bye, James. Thank you.
0: Goodbye, Richard. Goodbye. Thank you very much. And goodbye, Rebecca.
2: Thanks so much. Bye.
0: And join us next time where I'll be looking at the ever-growing topic on the wider agenda, which is new builds and sustainability. Looking forward to it. I hope you are too. Thank you. Bye-bye.